Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Skype once again is my friend Michael Leboff. And uh, Mike, the Islanders have played six games and won four of them. And that's the good news. And there's all a lot underneath that as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, four, a four-game winning streak, is uh, it feels kind of surreal just given the way I felt after the first couple games. I guess really after the Carolina game, which what put them at one and three and kind of just made you think oh god like this and then you remind yourself oh like it's just been four games and you try to reason with yourself but you know we're fans and that's not really what fans do so (laughs) i did not see this coming uh at all yeah yeah uh there there are kind of a lot of uh i guess differing ideas out there you know one being like these guys haven't played a 60 minute game for the entire season and that's true They, they really haven't and i think they would probably be the first to admit that too but at the same time like they're banking points, which is what you want to do early in the season, you know, and that's the old cliche. You can't make the playoffs in October, but you can definitely lose them. Well, right now the Islanders are have the seventh most points in the Eastern Conference. They're, they're right there in the thick of the, the Metro. And, you know, they've banked four wins against three losses, five wins against three losses. And, hey, that's pretty good. But, you know, the deeper you look the more concerning things get. And yeah, after the first two games, um, I, I, we won't go into each of them, I'll recap each of them specifically, but the first two games were a loss to the Edmonton Oilers, which was not uh, a great game. Uh, it was a 5-2 loss to the Oilers. It started great. Uh, Anthony Bovier had a shorthanded goal. Everything was going well. And then James Neal scored four goals. And that was that. That was, that was a bad game. That was arguably the worst game they've played all season. 
And then they followed that up with a 5-2 loss in Carolina, which was also one of the worst games they played. That game was funny because the Islanders seemed to think that was a pretty good game. But in watching it, you're just like, man, these guys are just – they're in another league right now, yeah. and it's not fun to watch games against They keep bringing us. that game up. Like, I don't, yeah, I know. I feel like in every in every pro, post game, they're like, oh, well, you know, we really feel like we found ourselves in that Carolina game. I was like, man, I don't know what – you guys must have been playing a different game. Like I don't know what I, I that game was over the second the puck dropped. I I've gone back and watched like the recap of that game, and yeah, I I don't see it either. I'm just I don't really get it. Um, they were essentially outworked and worked over the entire time. They did go two for five on the power play, which uh, we'll talk about later. Is actually something that they've done pretty well. The fact that they had five power plays is something that we'll talk about later too, because that's been really weird. But uh, you know, in fairness, they were without Casey Zizekas and Nick Letty. But man, that was. That was not fun, and and you know it just goes to show. Uh, last year, I spent a lot of time saying that the the Boston Bruins to me are the team that the Islanders just don't really have a chance against. They just play the Islanders style better than the Islanders do it with more talented players. Well, I'm ready to throw the Carolina Hurricanes into that same group because they have a gear that the Islanders simply don't have. And I mean, I'm not saying they can't beat them right now; they cannot. So maybe they'll devise a game plan at some point. But as of right now. I think the Islanders can beat pretty much any team in the NHL except for the Bruins and Hurricanes because they're just like completely on opposite ends of what the Islanders are capable of doing. And so things were pretty depressing for a little while there. But uh, a night later, the Islanders hosted the uh, Florida Panthers on alumni night and uh, actually played a really good game. It might have arguably been their best game of the season. They uh, took, a, I believe, a, a three to one lead uh, and uh, had a good first two periods. They let the Panthers tie the game late. Uh, the Panthers put on a lot of pressure uh, and they ended up winning it in a shootout. That was the first game where Simeon Varlamov actually played really, really, really well. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a three, two win, but he, he was very, very good in that game. And uh, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, they essentially got that one back from the game in Carolina. Um, and then Monday's game was just, I mean, right now, just, a very memorable <laughs> game for this early season. Three two overtime win against St. Louis that nobody saw coming. I mean, quite yeah. frankly. <laughs> I was so I, I was at that game. I, I couldn't go to alumni night. I lost the battle uh <laughs> there and it was I had a fun fun time trying to get it on at the the bar because uh it was game one of the Yankees game and yeah. I was like, Yeah, there are plenty of TVs here, so, you know, and it's alumni night. Cliff Ronning's in the building. Mm. Like, come on, like we gotta get the TV on the islanders on one of these. But you know, I was instead like just basically watching on my phone. But that uh, that Blues game I went to uh, with Emily, my fiance. She's a Bruins fan, so she wanted to go because she wanted to the Islanders to exact some some revenge, oh. some existential revenge. For That's her. very uh, nice, you guys coming yeah. together in that <laughs> way. <laughs> was, Find mutual ground. Up, we we sat next to a pair, uh, a couple like they they were Blues fans from uh, somewhere in Europe, hmm. and they were great. They were really nice people. But uh, we we were all just talking like, wow, this is just a sleeper. Like mm. what a boring game for 55 minutes that was. The the Islanders were getting like like a, a like an anaconda. The Blues were like just mm. like kind of squeezing them the whole time. And um, yeah, that then you know Brock Nelson scores that fluky goal. And uh, I mean, I, I I can't remember like the last time that that's really happened. Especially like being at a game. I remember in like 2002, I think, because I think Pekka was the one who scored the goal to tie it in like the last second with a goalie pulled. Um, I think they're playing the Bruins and maybe like the game ended at a three, three tie, but 
it was like nobody, nobody in that building. Everyone got out of the building as soon right. as they could, basically, because they're like, I can't believe that just happened. I don't want, I don't want them to like pull everybody back on the ice. And be like, you guys don't <laughs> deserve this. This doesn't happen. Uh, you had a great tweet and you, you summed it up perfectly. I was like, that's how the crowd felt too. It's like, let's just get the hell out of here. It's like a smash and grab. Like we, we just robbed the place. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, believe it or not, the Islanders did actually have a pretty good first period in that game. But then from the second on, yeah, the Anaconda analogy is a good one because the Blues just they, – they had a one nothing lead. And they just – the Islanders just could not mount any sort of push against it whatsoever. And, like, I, I can't even say that they they played poorly. They just – it was like running up – you know, you, you've ever seen like a, you know, a little kid running up against somebody and, and who has their hand on their head. Like, they're just kind of running and running. Like, that's the way it was. And then when the Blues took a 2 nothing lead in the third, you just thought – well, that's it. I mean, there's no re- they have n- had no pushback whatsoever in this entire game. And then at five with about five minutes to go, the entire, you know, it's two one. And you're just like, you know, I mean, Brendan said, well, you never know. And it, like, you know, I thought the same thing like, oh, OK, well, it's two one now. But when, you know, they get down to 25 seconds left and Barzell scores that goal, it was his first goal of the season. And I don't even know how it went in. I don't think he knows how it went in. Uh, you're like, wow, I can't believe they got a point out of this. But then overtime, so much as it was, was all Islanders. Like, I don't think the Blues even t- – I think they had, like, maybe one shot or touched the puck once, and then it was pretty much all Islanders. And then the Barzell to Taves overtime goal is a classic. Like, that's going to be on every highlight reel of this season yep. forever. It's just – you know, and, and it was awesome. And that's the kind of the kind of thing that Barzell can do in overtime. And uh, it really got him going because um, he's been – easily on fire the hottest player for the team this last week they went into winnipeg a couple of nights later uh, had an absolutely terrible first period uh nikolai ehlers made it one nothing and quite frankly the islanders were lucky to have it only be one nothing but then barzell scored twice and again varlamov was very good and barely hit the empty netter and they walked away with a, a pretty convincing win again despite that bad first period that was a pretty good win it felt the, on script. It felt like that. Right. That's like the, the, this. Is what the team wants to do if they were if they're trying to uh, you know script out a win. Definitely, yeah. No, it definitely felt like an Islanders like a 2018-19 Islanders game. Aside from the first period again, but um, you know, I, I felt like before he had scored against the Blues, Barzell was a little bit. I I don't want to say tentative. It just kind of he felt like he was very sort of focused and preoccupied and seeing him score goals and seeing the the enthusiasm and the, the celebrations is just awesome like i could just watch yeah. videos he's, of that all day it's <laughs> like his his face is like a, a jumbotron in itself because like <laughs> when you we i was sitting you know my seats are up high and i could see the smile on that guy's face uh after he tied the game against the blues like everybody could like he just he's so he's got like so much like emotion i don't know how to say it like just he's very animated he's, yeah he's and he's i mean he's got a you know he's got the look for it too he's you know very you know <laughs> handsome dude with great hair and i always that's why i always say like he should be skating around with a, a mm. rose in his mouth like right. like because he's that's just who he is like he's and uh it's all gen- it seems so genuine too like he's right. he because the dude works his tail off i mean and we've we've, we've been talking before about you know, uh, and you mentioned it in passing, like with the power plays. I mean, I'm I'm watching. I mean, that guy gets hooked or slashed or yeah. hit in the face with something every every shift. And he he doesn't do the you know hands up to the refs or anything. Mm. He rarely does. I mean, that Sam Sammy Blay slash against the Blues. I my stomach sank because yeah. I didn't even see him get hit. 
you know, nobody did. We just thought he, you know, was a non-contact injury and everyone's obviously freaked out for a second. But, uh, you know, he got up, he went to the bench and then got right back on the ice for his next shift. Like he, this, it's, it's crazy to see this guy. He's, people will say he's immature, but like slap or plays the game. He's very, he's got a lot of flair and unfor- unfortunately like that always comes with the, oh, you know, he doesn't play the game the right way kind of, uh, I'm not saying people say that, but I always feel like those things always come hand in hand when that when that right. type of player is skating like circles around, you know, Tyler Myers or whoever, you know, the the Don Cherries of the world would just be like, you know, this isn't right. You know, just cut the puck deep and do mm. anything. But he seriously does like I mean, the guy just yeah. doesn't take a shift off. I can't I can't remember it. Like he gives up the puck. He he get, goes to get it back. He takes a slash. He maybe touches his face to be like, you know, what the hell? And then just keeps going. Um, he's just been a. a a sincere joy to watch since uh basically since that Panthers game I would say like he's just you, you can't not notice him he he's a very demonstrable player um in in both good ways and bad and I don't mean good and like you know like he he's he's demonstrable when he scores obviously he get like we said he gets very excited but also I, the frustration is very evident on his face and and I get what you're saying I totally agree with you because you can see the frustration on him when he doesn't get the calls and when he doesn't um, you know, uh, these these whacks and hacks and stuff they happen to him all the time, and it's got to be really um very frustrating when you're trying to skate through and these guys are like coming after you and hacking and whacking all day, and it's nothing's happening. And in fact, uh, our friend Travis put out a, a tweet before that the Islanders have averaged only two minutes a game. Uh, so far of power play time, whereas the other 30 teams in the league are averaging four to seven minutes a game of power play time. And there's something weird about that. And now normally, you know, you would say, well, they're not earning their power plays by working hard and, you know, they're making things a little easy. And, and you know, I think that there have been periods where that might have been uh, fair, but there have been periods where there have not been. That would not have been fair. And you wonder where the power plays are. And right now they had five power plays again against Carolina. That's probably more than they've had in every other game they've played this year combined, which is just crazy. And the funny thing is their power play is actually pretty good this year. <laughs> like right, they, That's the unfortunate part. <laughs> I know. Like I think I'm pretty sure the first goal in – yeah, definitely the first goal in Winnipeg was a power play goal, and Barzell just hammered it home from the, the OV spot. You know, that was that was gorgeous to see. I believe they no, they had no power play goals in, against Columbus. Oh yeah, so then <laughs> the the most recent game we should get to is a, the three two overtime win against Columbus. Uh, their first period was spectacular; they were just awesome. And then at about the middle of the second, Columbus took over and really controlled the rest of the second half of that game. Uh, Thomas Grice was very good. Tom Kuhnhackel less so. Uh, they did go to overtime, and Brocktober. Uh, continued again, and Nelson scored in overtime. I, you know, I, I thought that game was all right. Uh, it could have been a lot better. There were there were periods where they were hemmed in, but there were periods where they were sort of okay. Um, but uh, you know, their first period w- was actually really good for once. Um, but um, what was the other one? There was another. There's a couple of power play goals in there, but uh, the disparity is really odd. And you know, at the end of the year, that might all shake out. But I don't know what it is, and you know. I don't want to say they're not working hard enough because they sure as hell are. And Barzell in particular is working really hard, but I don't know. It's just weird. You know, I don't want to start yelling conspiracy, but <laughs> I might have to. It's very weird. Yeah. It's just more, it's just more weird than anything that it's noticeable that like, this team isn't 
because uh, you know, I when I saw Travis put that out, like I was racking my brain, and I, I can point to like six, I think six maybe non calls against Barzell, um, which you know, I guess they were just players in the league like that. I, someone brought up uh, Johnny Goudreau, and uh, I think you know back in when Tavares was like was just cutting his teeth, like he he was getting you know the kind of the shit kicked out of him for a long time and uh if, if you remember like he was like very very animated want, with the refs call it, yeah always. we call it whiny now yeah. <laughs> you know he was a whiner <laughs> but uh like besides the barzell non-call so i don't really remember too many that like stick out that like were egregious but yeah i mean at this point you can really only label it odd and maybe a little funky but um trots mentioned it uh mm. before the winnipeg game maybe that that uh, I can't remember what his quote exactly was, but it's basically like you know it's not for a lack of you know right. miss you know not there there are penalties out there just not getting called. But uh, uh, yeah, the Columbus game though I thought was uh, same thing, little pretty much on script. Like you could make an argument that either team deserved to win that game. The Islanders could have been up a couple, some, uh, I think they had a couple posts. Wallstrom mm. hit a post. Yeah. I mean, uh, so. It's it's the same thing. Like this, this team wins. Barry Trotz has kind of had now has had them for a year and a couple of weeks, and they are built to win those kind of games. Like if they don't win these coin flip games, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. So uh, you know, walking out, same thing. Like I didn't feel like like the Winnipeg game. I didn't feel like they didn't deserve to win it, but I also didn't feel like wow, like they that was a full sixty minute dominant performance yet. Yeah, they haven't had one. I mean, let's let's be honest, they haven't had a full sixty minute game. That you know they've had dominant periods again they were they were lights out on the first period in columbus and then just slowly and started out okay in the second period and then kind of slowly seeded i think it was actually a columbus power play early in the in the second and from that point on the blue jackets just sort of took over yeah there was Uh, that long shift too where like yeah they were just stuck in their own zone forever it was like a three-minute shift for a couple players it was pretty bad (laughs) and there have been a couple of instances like that this season and most, I mean, that one was, uh, yeah. I, I think, what Pelic Polak and Brock Nelson. I'm pretty line, sure I that believe. was the Nelson line. Yeah, yeah. there yeah, was a uh, sequence like that against the Blues too. The mm-hmm. they were just, yeah, that uh, was the Boychuk. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, it was that was a game where I was like, I can't. John, I thought Johnny Boychuk and Nick Letty were just terrible in that game, and then Boychuk made, you know, he made a couple big blocks on that that mm-hmm. play on that sequence, and then the play at the blue line, obviously, that led to the to the game tying goal, like. Mm just was, it was so strange but like he just pulled pulled two rabbits out of a hat after a really bad game but yeah you know i guess that's you know kind of what what he is he does have he is he's got like a little bit of like talisman in him it's really funny the uh the fact that we can identify these two awful sequences just by the guys who were on the ice this early in the season tells you how bad they were. Like you just remember it. Like when you said, "Oh yeah, the Boychuk sequence," I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. He was he was on the ice for about three minutes or so." And the same thing with the Columbus game. Like the the Nelson line, which I think at the time was Nelson Bovillier and I think Bailey were just on forever, and that's not good. And I I mean I I know that they they have their own metrics of you know logging whether they're high danger chances or whatever and. Maybe to to their eyes and their their numbers, it wasn't as bad as it looked. But man, watching it on TV, you're just like, dude, get the puck and please skate it out of your own zone. You're killing me here. Uh, and you know the thing about the the Columbus tying goal was that it felt inevitable. It was somewhere in the second period. It was Boone Jenner, and it just felt inevitable because that's the way the period had gone. You're just like, they're not going to get out of this period, giving up this much time in their own zone and not giving up at least one goal. 
And again, they were lucky to the, the third period stayed scoreless and then Nelson won in overtime. Uh, you mentioned Oliver Wallstrom before, and I think it's important to note a lot of these lineup changes that have kind of happened. Uh, Wallstrom came up uh, to play. Uh, was it the blues game was his first, I think. Uh, yes. And, um, you know, there've been a lot of injuries. Casey Zika is still out. Jordan Amberley was actually placed on IR recently. He's going to be out longer than Sezikis. Sezikis might be back soon. Um, Wallstrom came up from Bridgeport and has not scored yet, but boy, he looks like he belongs. He really, really looks good. And he's had a number of like really point blank chances that you're just like, oh man, he's going to bury one of these one day. And he is definitely not afraid to shoot. Like he just, he had a couple shots last night. He didn't even hesitate, which I love because the Islanders have nobody yeah. else on the roster who's like that. You know? Him and Bailey are perfect for each other. They <laughs> and, and I think he, he he's I, I use this adjective for Barzell before, but what Wallstrom too. Like he's very noticeable basically every time he's yes. out there. Uh you know, the puck finds him. He's able he's got an unbelievable release. He's his shot is basically it looks as he hasn't scored yet. It looks as advertised already. He's hit posts and he's just been really good. Um and he's I, I have a feeling that I'm hoping because of the way that the the lines have kind of shaken out with, with Kunakal at the top and uh, Wallstrom playing in that third line is that Trotz wants to build that third line, their chemistry together because when Everly comes back, you know he'll just slot right in for Kunako, and that's that's what I'm telling myself uh, is that you know it's going to be a clean swap Kunako for for Everly and Wallstrom will stay up with those two guys. So that's that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, um, he definitely hasn't done anything to uh, warrant going back for sure uh the problem is going to be when these guys well actually let me start uh first uh Cole Bardreau was called up sort of mysteriously before the Blue Jackets game because Leo Komarov is day-to-day with some illness uh so Bardreau played they they really only had a, they had him on loan because then he, he went right back to Bridgeport I think after the game and uh you know looked okay like he was throwing the body around uh I think he had a couple of scoring chances too which was kind of nice to see um, you know, again, it was a loan situation. It was nice to kind of get him up there. It was his first, he's 26 years old. It was his first, uh, uh, NHL game. And, you know, Tanner Fritz, uh, was also out for personal reasons. So, you know, you figure he might've been the first call up and, and, you know, who the heck is this guy? But that, that, you know, worked out pretty well. I mean, I think he played okay and kind of, uh, assimilated himself pretty nicely on a line with Matt Martin and, uh, Cal Clutterbuck or was it, or was it, uh, Martin and, uh, and somebody else. I forget now. But uh, uh, they looked okay. Um, so, you know, Bardreau's going to go back. Wallstrom hasn't done anything to go back. But eventually, Jordan Everly's going to get healthy. And Casey Sikas is going to get healthy. And obviously, Komarov is going to come back from his illness. And look who was skating today at practice. One Andrew Ladd uh, in a regular jersey, not the like orange non-contact jersey that he's been wearing. Uh, Lad is still a long way away. Like he's not going to like show up on Thursday against the Coyotes and be like, "Hey guys, I'm playing today." So, I just you know, I, I think I speak for everybody when I'm like, I want to see more of this Wallstrom kid. And I, again, I agree with you. I think either he and Bailey, or he and Barzell, or somebody who can pass you know pretty regularly to this guy are going to make out pretty well in the long run once they get their timing down. Um, you know, hopefully it, it stays that way. And I think that you know eventually they're going to get to a point where. They got to figure all this stuff out, and I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, the biggest problems I think right now are at third line center. Uh, Derek Broussard so far hasn't really impressed. Uh, you know, he has. I don't think he has any points yet, but he just. I don't know. Look, yesterday he was kind of the culprit. Of a lot of those bad shifts too. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, 
Komarov has actually been okay so far this season. We'll see where he ends up. And then they have to get their fourth line back and healthy again. So, um, you know, there's a lot of juggling around. And again, the fact that they're five and three right now and keeping pace and haven't fallen off the rails is, is actually pretty good. I mean, again, we could talk about their, uh, their inconsistencies. In fact, I just found a quote from Trotz from after Columbus. He said that, you know, that's what good teams do. They weather the storms and battle back, and they did that. It's nice that they can weather the storms and battle back, but at some point you like you would like to see a full, complete lineup and a full 60-minute game to make us feel a lot, lot better about the record that they have now and going forward as the season continues. Yeah, I, th- I think they – it's kind of like last year. Remember, they were they were kind of surviving yeah. these, these oh, weird for sure. games. It was all and, goaltending the first month yeah, of last year. Yeah, ex- exactly, <laughs> and and they, they, they found themselves in, you know, in the thick of it and – come Thanksgiving and if if that's what they can if they can kind of just get their bearings and do that and figure out what you know it's weird because they they do have such a similar roster but we've already this team has already been kind of had much more uh injury issues than that team did last oh, year yeah, at like totally. so and you knew that was coming and that's that's um so which which is could be end up being a good thing because you know it did let us see you know Wallstrom looks 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 a player and Maybe they don't need the services of guys like Tom Kunakel. They definitely don't need him up on the on the top line. I mean, his his that's even I, even if he's playing, you know, if he's playing above the, a checking line, it's it's not it's weird. It's just <laughs> and the Islanders have, are undefeated with first time first line Tom Kunakel, yeah. of course. But yeah, and and then you look at Broussard. I think at this point you're just like he's he's. I think you've got to give him what twenty twenty five games in that spot, yeah. and you just. You hope that maybe with if he does this Wallstrom Bailey Broussard line looks like it looks like it could be a thing, um, and you just hope that that he he kind of he he does have to lift his game a little bit uh, to like to warrant staying up, especially with with guys like that beating down the door. But uh, I think as a, as a, the roster stands right now, you're just like if you if you if you had shown me the lineup from Columbus and you said all right, this is where the team's going to end up at, on this day. Jordan Everly is going to be missing time. Uh, Casey Sezikis has already missed time. You know what? What would you take four and three or whatever they are? And I'd say hell yeah, like <laughs> especially and and the underlying there's some issues I think under the hood. Like Devon Taves hasn't looked himself, but I think that's got a lot to do with. I don't think Scott Mayfield's been particularly yeah strong to start either. Um, and and I wonder if you know maybe he makes sense to to get the Boychuk treatment. You know, take a take a couple of days off and let Noah Dobson slide in. Uh, at some point, because uh, they they need Devon Taves to be better, and I, I, you really wonder if if it's Scott Mayfield that's that's dragging him down right now. Yeah, that that whole pairing hasn't looked uh, all that great uh, so far, um, and so yeah, you I, I think they'll they'll probably be okay. Uh, I'm glad you brought up uh, first line Tom Kuhnhackle because I, I did want to bring up uh, something real quick. Uh, you know, I I was watching it, and, and look, I'm not as, I'm not as much a I'm no fan of of the setup as anybody. It just feels weird that that he's there. Um, but I, I think I kind of get why he's there. And I, you know, I, there was something I noticed that, you know, he doesn't have the talent that Barzell or Lee have. I and mean, again, they're different kinds of talent, but you know, they just, he just doesn't have the, the talent that those two guys have. But the one thing that I think they have in common is their willingness to fight through checks. And I, I noticed that, I mean, again, as we've said a number of times now, the Columbus game, there was, there were periods where the guys were hemmed in and you just was driving you crazy. You just wanted him to get a get the puck, get a stop, get into the, spend some time in the other guy's zone for God's sakes. 
Um, and, you know, it just seemed to me like they were just weren't kind of fighting. And, and at one point, Kuhn Hackle did eventually get the puck and sort of fought through a couple of checks. And all he ended up doing was dumping it in. But I was like, oh, thank you. Like, it was just something that, you know, to, to get the puck to the other side of the ice. Um, and I think I thought to myself, you know what, maybe that's why he's on this line instead of, you know, Wallstrom or even Bailey or somebody like that while Eberle's out because he's willing to do that. And then at one point, the Islanders had a three on two the other way. And Kuhn Hackle, I don't I still don't know what happened. He lost the puck and then ended up being a Blue Jackets three on two the other way. <laughs> and it just went from having this perfect scoring chance to having no scoring chance. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why I don't want him on that line, you know, so. He's, he's, he's a funny player because he, he's got the tools, it looks like. Like, he's a big dude. He's got a very powerful stride. I don't think he's particularly fast. He looks faster than he probably is. But he and, – and he's, like, shown flashes. Like, that, that goal that was taken back against the Penguins when uh, – in game one, I believe it was, when he hopped off the bench and just ripped a wrister. <laughs> uh, and he was offside by, like, a centimeter. Like, he – and then he – I mean, he had a – that series, he, like, was actually pretty yeah. good. and. So he like does have these like spurts, but yeah, he does. He's not a first line winger. I think we all we all know that, and you just that's why I've I've kind of come up with this this. All right, I think Trotz likes Wallstrom and Bailey together, and that's that's what I'm hoping, and I'm just hoping he's got th- them together, be- and that's why Kunakel's up top. Like I'm just trying to make some sense out of it, and <laughs> even that is like that's that's a couple layers to convince yourself of. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think we'd all we'd all agree that maybe. Uh, Maybe someone else could could slot in next to Barzell, right, for the next uh, yeah. two games. Uh, yeah, anybody. Um, you also mentioned Michael Cole before, and I think we should point out that he did have his uh, first goal against Columbus, which was kind of a nice. He was there uh, to get the rebound of off of Anthony Bar Beauvillier shot, and uh, you know maybe that could be a, a thing for him too. Like we know he's good in the corners, and we know he's he's pretty relentless in hounding the puck, and maybe he can become sort of a net front guy too and and pop in a little more. You yeah. know, I, I, I hate that when, when people are like, oh, this guy's useless. I mean, he's not really useless. <laughs> I think he just hasn't found his sort of offensive niche yet, but I still I still like having him around. I just, you know, I kind of wish he would find a little bit more pop in the lineup. You yeah, know? He's definitely a uh, a very useful player and, and someone that I, I I don't think he's he's been great to start. Uh he was, and I thought he was really good last year in, yeah. in in that role, in that you know kind of checking line winger, like the puck puck retriever and the hounder, and you know it's just every team, every good team has someone who who does that, and and they they aren't a uh, a liability, and he hasn't really developed into a liability at all this season. I'm not saying that, but he just hasn't been as uh, as noticeable doing the little things, which I guess is a little bit uh, contradictory. But he <laughs> that goal, I mean. Talk about a Anthony Beauvillier has been awesome. He's been he continue him he and Barzell awesome. have been their two best players so far this season. I yeah, mean, I think those two and Pelic uh, have been, and that play was just unbelievable. I thought he yeah. he he. It looked like he got like eight shots off on that little <laughs> break, and he still beat someone. And he that he's he's kind of flying under the radar a little bit because he's not. Uh, I think he's got like you know maybe eight points. I don't know how many points he's got, but he's got a few. And but he's very quietly putting together a really good start. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before we we go to our break, uh, we didn't even talk much about that Oilers game because it was pretty pretty bad, uh, and they uh, they just were very soft. Uh, Trots did not like it. Nobody really liked it. There was basically the an- antithesis of everything we've come to learn about these guys. Um, and if you feel bad about James Neal scoring four goals, 
Uh, just remember that he's the third. He's the second of third three guys this year to have scored four goals in it in a game. Uh, David Pasternak did it. Anthony Mantha did it. Somebody else will probably do it. Uh, so it just happens, and uh, you know it's it's a shame to have have happened. Uh, but uh, the Oilers so far are actually pretty good. Uh, but that that's the game that I think more than any that in the you know you, you just sort of throw it in the trash and forget about it. The Hurricanes you have to play again, so you are going to figure those guys out eventually. But you know the Oilers. Just let them have it, and we just move on. Uh, okay, uh, so when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about Alumni Night and then look forward to the kind of odd schedule they have coming up. All right, we'll be back in a minute. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Saturday, October 12th, uh, which was a uh, 3-2 shootout win over the Florida Panthers, was also Islanders alumni night, and it looked like a fun time was had by all. Uh, Neither of us, unfortunately, were there, but uh, uh, the Islanders did tweet out a list of alumni that were at the game, and they also got a tour of Belmont, which is like the thing now. I feel like you and I are the only two people that haven't had a tour of Belmont yet, (laughs) the the dirt that's being pushed around over there. Uh, And it's a cool list, and there's some guys you you expect to have seen, your Clark Gillies and and Dennis Potvans uh, and uh, Mick Vakoda and um, Ed Westfall and Steve Webb and the like. Alexei Yashin was there. Uh, But then you get guys that maybe are a little bit surprising, which is kind of cool. Paul Boudelier was a a, a defenseman on the the, um, sort of post-dynasty or like late-dynasty teams, and I I think he was kind of a first-round pick that was expecting to go a lot further didn't really quite get there. Um, Graham Townsend was, uh, I think, a surprise uh, visitor. Richie Hansen, who was the first native Long Islander to play for the Islanders. I don't know if he was there last year. But uh, I'm looking at the list that they tweeted out, and the name jumps out at me. And it's a name I had never heard before. And it's a guy named Don Cuts. Did you ever hear of Don Cuts before? Never. Yeah. <laughs> so it, 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 Maybe they just – I was there's a couple of guys like, that I've never heard of, and I was like, they – Maybe the Islanders are, you know, just taking the piss and just throwing a name up there and seeing if anyone can, you know, point it out. Right. So last year we had Peter Mika, who I think had played like three games for the Islanders or something like that at one point. Well, Don Cutts hadn't played any games for the Islanders. In fact, he was only drafted by the Islanders back in the seventh round of the 1973 draft. So the Islanders' second ever draft, they draft this guy in the seventh round. He was a goalie uh, out of Edmonton. And he played for a, he played for actually he played for RPI played for Rensselaer so he uh, he played in a lot of minor league games and didn't get to the NHL until 1979-80 when he played six games for his hometown Edmonton Oilers. Um, but somebody at the Islanders who puts out the invitations found Don Cuts and invited him, and 
that's kind of awesome. Like, I just am like, yeah, I mean, we see guys like Pat Flatley and, and you know, Darius Kasparitis was there. Like, that's cool. Like, we see Butch Goring we see all the time. Obviously, he's there every game. And, you know, I mean, it's good to see Dennis Podvan back with Clark Gillies. Bob Nystrom's always there. Like, these guys are great, but we see them all the time. You don't see a Don Cutts show up where that makes you look – You makes you have to go to hockey reference – and be like, who the hell is this guy? And uh, that's pretty awesome that he showed up. I mean, I don't know what he talked to these guys about. I guess maybe talk to somebody else who was drafted in 73. That's weird. But congratulations, Don Cutts. So you are today's <laughs> Don Cutts was a New York Islander winner. So there you go. Yeah, that's- they're he him and you know Peter Mika obviously is is his uh now an alumni stalwart, alumni night stalwart, because he was there again and he's I think he's now made it three for three. But it, it's uh I really want to explain to uh, some fans, maybe with like the like a Canadians fan or something, like what what this night is kind of turning into, like <laughs> because it, I just you know if the Canadians have an alumni night and I don't think that they're gonna you know be flipping out you know over type guys like that coming like showing up and uh, or you know the Bruins or whatever they're looking for the uh, you know the Gila Fleurs and mm. Ray Borks of the world and I just think it's funny that. Look, the Islanders have had decades now of of underperforming and just terrible teams, and and mm. we're seeing some of them show up. Like, <laughs> like like Tom, Thomas Polk was here. Yeah, like that that was he was, I mean, good. Like he, he was mm. fine. He was a good power play quarterback for a couple of games, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, but like I just don't think that uh, the the Islanders are people are noticing yet what what the Islanders are doing with this alumni night, and and it's too bad because when you know, Sean Bates shows up and gets that rousing mm. uh, ovation. And then, I mean, Mary Strakowski was, he, I mean, obviously huge, hugely popular because yeah. he was one of the good players uh, <laughs> during <laughs> his time and uh, some pretty lean years. But he was there for that Blues game and he still, like, people were so happy to see him. And, yeah. you know, we talk about it at nauseum now, but, like, I just think that if you showed this list to people running, you know, the bigger, quote, market teams and, like, you know, would you, would, would you, what do you guys think about this? Would you ever do this? But hell no. Like, <laughs> our fans would riot if, if they yeah. saw, you know, these guys show up, guys right. from bad teams. Yeah. If, if right, if some, some like, you know, four-game fourth-liner for the Canadians showed up to alumni night, he'd get laughed out of the building because everybody wants to see Yvonne Cornwaye. Like, some, yeah. or, you know, one of those guys, Larry Robinson. Whereas, yeah, yeah, you know, now now Marius was obviously more than a four-game fourth-liner. Right. But we, we almost, like, I think Islanders fans almost, like, embrace those guys like those sort of like you know kind of almost randomy guys from those very random teams of the you know let's face it they were not successful teams that these guys a lot of these guys played for i mean even thomas poke like he was not on a on a good version of the islanders and i think people really embrace those types of guys you know i mean they embrace a guy like marius Tchaikovsky as the best player on a very bad team and i think there's a certain respect level there that's like you know what good for this guy like i like this guy because he was out there working for this very bad team <laughs> and i yep. could i could appreciate that and um, i i think the the two that really stuck out to me that made me that warned me the most were to see Jan Denis and hmm. Joey McDonald reunited cuz those <laughs> two were basically they were like the Islanders are like, listen, we're going to be terrible this year. We just mm. we don't want to luck into like the tenth being tenth in the Eastern Conference by because our <laughs> goalies are really good. So let's just sign two pretty terrible goalies and just let them do it. And that's what they did. Mm. And Joey McDonald, I, I remember him having like a one night where he just dominated the. I think he ended a Red pretty yeah long <laughs> losing streak against the Red Wings. And Denis, I guess, had his moments. And uh, it was 
that, that those were the two names that I was, I guess, happiest to see. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I saw Yandere. It wouldn't be the same if they were seven. It wouldn't have been the same if they weren't together either. I wonder if that was a thing. They're like, listen, we're a package deal. <laughs> my uh, my personal like, hell yeah, I'm glad he's there. Al Montoya and Montoya was there, and I remember telling somebody, man, now I'm really bummed because I wanted to be there when El Cubano Grande was there. And oh no, I, I remember I told my wife, I'm like, whoa, Al Montoya was at alumni night and i said i could have swore montoya was still playing somewhere and some minor league team somewhere but i was like oh man i'm glad they brought montoya back because i loved him i I was really into him and again like he was you know i mean that team never made the didn't make the playoffs that one year it was he was on the the 09 10 season the, the grabner uh you know calder nomination season and man he was just cool and i just love the idea of them finding this sort of scrap heap x rangers goalie and him being a i wish i really wish he hadn't gotten that concussion because he was kind of you know fell off a little bit after that but he you know he rebounded and and made himself a career and i just i'm a, I'm a big fan i also love that he's el cubano grande which is just the greatest nickname of the last few years so um yeah i think it's cool that we like embrace this and, and you know getting back to what you were saying before about you know a bigger market team not kind of picking up on this i i think it you know there's this kind of yeah this might be my inferiority complex talking but like I feel like there's this sort of like idea. Uh, there's definitely an idea that Islanders fans aren't worthy of having a team that, you know, we don't really go to games and we don't care and this kind of thing. But like when guys like this show up at an event like this and, and again, John Ledecky is apparently the guy behind this and he's, he clearly figured this out and he deserves a, all the credit in the world for doing this. Um, you know, it shows what kind of connection this team has made to the community that, that you know, they bring back a Mary Strakowski and people go crazy. They bring back a Sean Bates and people go crazy. And they brought back Doug Crossman, who was traded. Well, he, he was in some big trade. Who did he end up getting traded to? Uh, he got he was in the Mark Fitzpatrick trade and then always oh, traded for Ray Ferraro. Like this is the guy who was traded for a guy we liked a lot. And it was still like, hey, cool. Doug Crossman is there. Like that's a connection that I don't know if a lot of teams have because they're so focused on like bigger things and bigger guys. Whereas we kind of appreciate those kind of guys. Those like random, you know, Doug Cross, how many games did he even play for the Islanders? So I'm looking at, I have hockeyreference.com up right now. If you haven't figured out, he played 96 games over the course of two seasons for the Islanders and seeing him there made me think, Oh man, Doug Crossman was there. That's kind of cool. And so I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one who thought that, but like, you don't get that. I think a lot, like you said, with like a, the Bruins or the Canadians, like you don't, they don't think of it that way. They think who the hell cares about this guy? We're just like, dude, that's cool. Like I'm glad he was there. <laughs> glad I said yeah. I missed it. That's what uh, you know. If Glenn Metropolite was showing up to to the uh, Canadians alumni yeah. night, people would be like, "All right, well, it's nice of Glenn that's to a, show up." To, that's a good to carry example. People's tuxedos and stuff, but <laughs> that's a good. It, one. And yeah, I just don't know. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's a mm. another kind of uniquely Islanders thing that that these guys are celebrated. Like, yeah. God, God forbid the Islanders ever win the Stanley Cup. You know, like I feel like these. These people will be invited to like the parade and stuff, and mm. they'll just be so happy. But uh, you know, I, th- I think you know if you ask Sean Bates and you ask guys like Doug Crossman or whatever, like, would you know, do you pull for the Islanders? And they're probably like, hell yeah, like I'm sure I would love yeah. to see you know those guys win after after what all we put them through. Mm. I'm pretty sure Ray Ferraro has said that. <laughs> like he's kind of always a little bit pulling for them, a little, you know. A little. Um, you know, it's funny, I, and I just realized the perfect example of all this entire thing you brought up is Mario Strakowski because he also played for the Bruins and the Canadians and the Oilers, for, as a matter of fact. And I feel like, 
if they had this sort of thing and they invited him, would he even be invited to one of those things? I mean, no offense to Marius, but I, I'm not even sure if he would. Would no, Trevor Linden not. get invited to a Canadian's alumni night? Probably not. And I mean, he's Trevor Linden, for God's sakes. Meanwhile, if he showed up at Islanders alumni night, people are like, yeah, Trevor, good for you. <laughs> That was, you know, that was a tough, tough team you had to, you had to captain to that year, man. Yeah, you had to. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, so Islanders alumni. Oh, and by the way, I, I, the guy who gets the biggest pop out of all of them, in all fairness, is is John Tonelli. Like, they, there's a video, they showed it uh, again uh, during the Columbus intermission last night uh, at Belmont. They had a whole thing. Chris King and Shannon Hogan were there and they, you know, introduced a bunch of guys and they introduced John Tonelli and it was clear that people were just freaking out that this guy was, he is, he is a folk hero. Like, I'm not sure. Is he like the Sid Barrett or whatever? Like he's like the prodigal son that has returned and nobody wants him to leave ever again. And I'm glad cause he's here cause he, he belongs here. And he's just, you know, the love for a guy who, you know, was he, I don't know. Was he ever a superstar out of outside of long Island? Probably not. But to us, to Islanders fans, he is like the superstar. He is right up there with your bossies and pot van and the hall of fame, you know, Gillies and guys like that. Tonelli's right there. And so when he comes to these alumni games, to get him there is like an enormous, enormous, enormous thing. And you know, they can't really retire his number now because I, Anders Lee is wearing it. But, you know, that that's probably something that they should have done a long time ago. Um, but, you know, he had some some issues with the organization. But, yeah, it's cool to see. And, you know, uh, he, uh, he gets the biggest pop. Uh, of the guys that look like they can still play, Marius, uh, Dave Scatcherd. And Bob Nystrom. I, I don't know what the hell is going on with Bob Nystrom. He's like Benjamin Button. Like, he's aging yeah. in reverse. He just keeps getting more jacked with age. I don't <laughs> It's just crazy. This guy looks like, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't get it. Uh, he needs to bottle it and sell it because it's just whatever he's doing is working for him. Uh, yeah, he's, he's always smiling, too. And it, it yeah, looks, right? He's, yeah, he's always out of, like, a tanning bed or whatever. Uh, Tchaikovsky, look, Tchaikovsky looks great. Yeah. He had a, had a turtleneck going uh, at the Blues game. And hmm. uh, he just he looked, he looked really just yeah. stunning. And Dave, Dave Scatcherd really makes that sort of like pork pie hat work. Like not everybody can do that, but it looks good on him. So there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, cool. Oh, and if you haven't checked out, uh, PT Isles had a great uh, interview with uh, Mick Vakoda on their podcast. Joe had, had Mick Vakoda on, and it was awesome. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it because he's a funny dude, and he tells great stories about his hat trick in Washington and the things people said to him. And, and the, the hat trick in Washington stories, I don't want to spoil the ending, but the ending of it is is really sweet. It's like a little thing, but you hear it, and you're just like your heart will be warmed by it. It's definitely – check it out. It's a PT Isles podcast. Uh, okay, um, so real quick, um, the Islanders' uh, schedule is a little bit weird right now. We're recording this on Sunday. Uh, they hop off Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then they have back-to-back games <laughs> against the Coyotes at home, who uh, actually aren't actively terrible this year, and then the Senators on the road, who are actively terrible. Um, so, you know, those are—I don't want to say they're they're winnable games. I guess any game is winnable, but uh, you know, it, it would be really disappointing to come away with anything less than at least three points in both of those games. I would say uh, they have off Saturday, and then they are home to. Philadelphia, which is going to be a big game. The Flyers are always, you know, any game against the Flyers is big. They then have four days off, and then they play the Lightning on Friday the 1st. And then who do they play on the 2nd? Somebody else? Buffalo. So they're home to Tampa Bay on the 1st, and then they're at Buffalo on the 2nd of November. So, you know, they have a three-day break, and then three games in four nights, and then a four-day break, and then three games in four nights. Yeah. Yeah, three games in five nights, so two games back-to-back. That's a weird schedule, and, uh, you know, every one of those games, 
I guess the first two are really the kinds that you can you can take, and then you should uh, really worry about the Flyers, obviously Lightning, and then the Sabers, who have been lights out so far this season. Um, what what are you thinking about those games? Are they make you afraid? Are they do they make you confident? I don't know. I mean, again, they haven't played a sixty minute game yet, and so against any of these teams, that would be against the <laughs> the Coyotes and Senators. I feel like you should probably see a sixty minute game out of these guys after three days of practice. Uh, that would that would be the first thing I would look for. Yeah, I th- I, you, you got to bank those points like we were saying in the beginning. Like this is when when you 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 need you need at least three points out of that. It does you know it stinks that they have to play the Senators on a back to back because mm. uh, you know I don't know if the Senators are playing the night before, but yeah, let me just set up. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, you know you you want you wish that the schedule set up a little bit better when when you're playing these teams. I guess like uh, you can look at it both ways, but um, yeah, I mean. It, it's it's this, we say it every year though about the schedule being weird. We say it every podcast, basically every episode. <laughs> We're like, oh, they got a weird schedule coming up. But the the way that this schedule for every team has unfolded this October has been so eerie. Like the Rangers played those two games, then they had like four days off, then they play or they had a week off after mm. their first two games. Then they played Saturday against the Oilers, and then they had like another week off, and then they played a back to back. And they played the Canucks tonight. Like they, they, they had like eleven days off after their first two days. They, had, they had three games in like some like twelve days. And now the Islanders are doing like a little bit of a similar stretch. And I, and I'm, I don't know if it's like a considered effort by the league to kind of <laughs> turn their to like to jam schedules almost in the way that the uh, the AHL does. But uh, it's it's definitely not something I've ever really seen before because I've seen other fan bases talking about it too. Like. Like we don't play for like five days now, uh, yeah. so I think the Leafs had a, like a couple of days off, and people are like, you know, what are we gonna do for these next five days with that? <laughs> the, the Leafs and, um, so, but you like you said, like you just gotta make sure you get, you know, three out of four, and then hope that you you catch the, uh, you you play a, the, your best game of the bunch against the Flyers on that night. Yeah. Um. So the Senators are off the night before the Islanders. They play the Islanders. They, they they play Detroit on Wednesday. They're off on Thursday, and then they play the Islanders. No, sorry, they they're off. They play Detroit on Thursday. Uh, no, they're they're they play Detroit on Wednesday. They're off on Thursday. They play the Islanders on Friday. Uh, so the Islanders have to play them on a back to back situation uh, against the Flyers. Though the Flyers actually played the night before. They play at they're at home against Columbus on Saturday. Then they they have to come on the road to the Coliseum and play the Islanders on Sunday, so they got a bit of a break there. But yeah, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm I'm kind of beyond the idea of like, well, this is a must win game against a terrible opponent. Yes, the Senators are terrible. I'm not trying to say that they're not, but they did somehow beat the Lightning this year, which I don't know how that happened. Uh, and the Coyotes have been you know a little bit like the Islanders. Like I don't think they've played perfect, but they they definitely have banked a bunch of wins and and Darcy Kemper right now has been pretty hot in goal. Yeah, just goalies are so weird, man. I know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it could be, yeah, exactly. Anything could happen. I mean Carter Hart could shut the Islanders out against the Flyers or he can get pulled like I think he did against the the, uh, uh, Oilers the other day or somebody. So, I mean it's, um, these are all big and, you know, the fact that the Islanders haven't quite put together a full game yet is a little bit concerning against all of these teams. I mean, you know, you play the Lightning at this point, like, you kind of take what you can get. If you beat them, great. If you don't, hey, what are you going to do? Like, they're, they're arguably one of the best teams in the league. Uh, and then the Sabres right now, I mean, we all know how the Sabres start the season. They're always hot, the hottest team in the league before Thanksgiving, and then something always falls apart. So maybe this is the year they don't fall apart. We'll see. But that's that's a tough one. Going into Buffalo has always been tough for the Islanders. But, um, you know, uh, they need to find their game. 
and they've got three days of they have practice today. Uh, I assume they'll have off one of these days, days, but they'll they'll probably practice the other two. And uh, they need to find that game because um, you, know, you might be able to get away with it against the Senators, but once you start hitting the Flyers, Lightning, and Sabres in the same week, uh, that's going to be bad news if you haven't figured out how to play yeah. for 60 minutes. Yeah, and they, they did such a good job last year of avoiding losing streaks uh, yeah. until the playoffs. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they uh, – they really they need that's that's kind of what's so important about those first two games is you got to at least take you know three points because if you don't you then you're looking at you know potential you got a couple tough teams waiting for you and Hmm. that's when things can start spiraling a little bit and uh, i was joking with my friend that the game against uh the jets it felt it was nice to not have a a, it was that was the first non must win game of the season i felt like (laughs) because you know they, they had beat the, the Panthers and then they mm. beat the Blues. They it felt good. Um, I wouldn't have considered that, you know, going on the road at Winnipeg in October ever a must win game. But, right. you know, with the, with the Islanders, had they had they not won against the Blues or the Panthers, uh, definitely would have been. And right. uh, and then that ma- that win also made, made last night a non must win game. So mm. I just don't want any more must win games until, you know, they really are. <laughs> they really are must win games. Yeah, must win games in October are never a good sign. And if you want, we've already had of six that, of them. Yeah, exactly. The Islanders have already had six of them. And if you want more evidence, uh, take a look at a Dallas Stars blog every once in a while and see what their must win situation is like. Because every game now at this point, you know, when you start one seven and one in a season, every game is a must win. So it's it's been pretty rough on anybody, but. You know, again, like we said right off the top, the Islanders are, are in the mix right now, and and you know they can they could finish. They have three games to finish uh, a strong October and and be right there with the rest of them, and you know serve notice that like, hey, you know we're not going away. Like we're still here uh, and figured out. And I think uh, Barry Trotz will uh, will get them to figure out. Actually, we didn't even talk about it against Columbus. That they uh, Barry Trotz read them the riot act on the bench for I, maybe the first or second time he's ever done that. I mean, you could. You could read his lips, although you might not want to do it with some kids in the room. Like they were, he was. I don't know if the, there's paint on the bench, but if there was, he was peeling it, you know. And and you can definitely see what was on his mind. And uh, I think he got the point across. And I expect some hard practices uh, and some things to get fixed. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Thursday at home against uh, the Coyotes. Uh, okay, uh, just a, a couple of announcements real quick. I want to thank everybody for downloading and listening uh, to the first episode of my favorite Islanders game, which came out last week. Uh, we really appreciate your calls. Uh, we cannot have another episode without your calls, so please don't hesitate. Give us a call. We have a bunch already for the second episode, uh, but we can never have enough. So the number again is 646-980-8857. That's 646-980-8857. Call. Leave your message. We've had a couple of people leave two-part messages, which is great. You just call back and continue the story, uh, and uh, we can really use them. But thanks again to the guys who called first. I really appreciate it, uh, and it seems re- reviews have been pretty good. Uh, also, thanks to everybody who listened to uh, the uh, first episode of Islanders Award Winners. It's been a lot of fun. Again, it seemed, people seem to really like it, and uh, I hope you're all excited for uh, episode two, which will come out the first Monday of November. So not next week. But uh, not this week, not next week, but uh, the Monday, the week after. So there you go. It should be pretty cool. It's going to be on Brian Trottier. There you go. Uh, but I appreciate everybody listening. It's really cool. Uh, what else? Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, visit VintageIceHockey.com uh, where you can get all kinds of cool stuff. Kevin's got a ton of great stuff there. Uh, you should also follow his Twitter account. Let me make sure I, I get it right. Uh, because he posts stuff there all the time, and he picks sort of a game, a, a special team every day. 
Uh, yeah, it's just vintage ice hockey. So V I N T A G E ice uh, H K Y. So vintage ice hockey, but hockey is just H K Y. And every team has a game of the day. He's got great stuff. Denver Spurs. Uh, he had uh, what was it? Oh yeah, the um, uh, the Mohawk, uh, the Hudson Valley Mohawks. San Diego Mariners is a big one. And I mean, you could get your New York Golden Blades. New York, uh, Long Island Ducks. It's great. Uh, VintageIceHockey.com. Use Lighthouse15 in the discount code box, and you can save 15%. Lighthouse15 in the discount code box, VintageIceHockey.com. You should subscribe to Lighthouse Hockey Podcast by searching Lighthouse Hockey and whatever you're using, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, the whole thing. Leave us a review. It's great. Uh, so we are a little bit late this week. Uh, you know, I was able to post, uh, uh, my favorite Islanders game, but, uh, we do want to pay, pay special tribute to a, a member of our team that, that we lost this week. And, uh, it was kind of the reason we, uh, we took a couple of days off. Uh, Mike lost, uh, a good friend of his. And if you could say a few words, uh, I think, uh, everybody would appreciate it. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the dog behind the scenes, Jimmy, the, uh, we we had to put him down on Tuesday, so that's why I texted Dan, and we couldn't couldn't get together next week or last week. So, uh, it's tough tough week, but that's actually what made that Thursday night game was uh, great. It was just like it was like kind of the first um, time like I could just kind of get away from everything and, and just watch, and uh, the Islanders won, and so it was like he's in the the first kind of step out of like the kind of funk, uh, and it was a great game. So. Uh, yeah, not not a fun week, but uh, he was he was uh, he was the best. We, we are definitely going to miss Jimmy around here. I've never met him, but I heard him many times in the background, and he was as much a part of a show as as you or I. And he will be missed. So uh, spare a thought for Jimmy this week. Maybe buy an Islanders uh, puppy calendar. They did their thing this week. Uh, that must have been tough to <laughs> to see, as you yeah, were saying was, before. Yeah, that yeah. was. Uh, very quick, quickly, uh, I was like, okay, I can't go on Twitter for the next uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. two weeks, I guess, or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, when I saw that though, I mean, then I, then they did a story on Ryan Pollock uh, too, and uh, his and his girlfriend doing this these like dog rescues, and I was like, damn, like they're awesome people. Um, but yeah, I, hopefully now uh, the the process gets a little bit easier from here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it will. And I think he, uh, again, he had a good home for about four years, you said, right? So that's the important thing. Yep. You guys had, had a friendship that you had forged and, uh, you know, he, he will definitely be missed. He had good friends. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. He's, and he was an Islander too. He was a Staten Islander. That's there you go. He, that's love, where he, they found, they found him. Love Staten Island. Love, yeah, love Staten did. Island. My, my wife lived for a time on Staten Island. So yeah, great time. But Jimmy will be missed. Rest in peace to a great dog. Uh, well, I guess that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, anything else uh, you want to add before we head out? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm uh, excited. You know, there's if these next three days will be interesting. With like, I'm, I'm assuming some some quotes will come out about Lad, and you know what the kind of plans are for him. And uh, you know, like they're they're, they're going they already have a glut of defensemen, and now they're gonna have a you know glut of forwards <laughs> that are all beating down the door. So yeah. uh, I think that's gonna be the the kind of interesting uh, sub narrative to. Uh, the team until until they start playing again yeah for sure uh and again it's going to force some some tough decisions on on barry trotz and lou lamorello and uh we'll have to see what what shakes out of it and uh we'll see if uh, maybe oliver walsham can make things even more interesting uh, in the next couple of games and uh get his first nhl goal uh but we'll have to see so yeah thursday friday 
Coyotes, Senators, and then uh, Sunday against the Flyers. And uh, we'll be back sometime after that game. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, bye-bye.